Hello and welcome everybody to episode 422 of Sonic Talk, uh, recording today live at 4pm Wednesday the 14th of October 2015 in case you're counting and you may have come across this on some kind of Mars-based time capsule sometime in the future and you just want to kind of pin it down to an exact snapshot of history, there you go. That information is available to you. Uh, I want to say if you're a first-time viewer, do, don't forget that uh, we also do uh, quite a lot of stuff on YouTube to do with music technology and associated subjects. That's what this podcast is about, but we do reviews, interviews, all kinds of stuff. So please do subscribe to our channel and you'll stay uh, informed of the stuff that we do. Also want to say thank you very much to our show sponsors, Isotope, who uh, will be bringing you another copy of Break tweaker and we hope uh to be letting you know who won last week's copy so uh once again uh stay tuned for that somewhere sometime later on in the show but uh, we'll let you know also want to say thank you very much to our chat room nice fulsome chat room we're going to see if we can break the record this week we've got lots of people in there fulsome i think i said that thank you very much to all of you guys uh, for joining us um but for now we'll come back to our physical uh, video guests here. Uh, we'll start over here with Mr. Ty Unwin, who we've not seen for, uh, uh, well, a couple of weeks anyway. Um, only a couple, only of, a couple weeks. of weeks. Well, Ty is, uh, of course, as you know, a composer, does a lot of work to picture. And not only that, he's got a, a massive synth cave, which you could probably just make out there in the spatial lighting there. Uh, and uh, how are you, Ty? You've been a, a busy guy, I expect. Busy, busy as ever. But good. But good. So, what sort of work rate do you uh, do? You get a lot of work because you work fast, or because it is, it, you know, do you turn? How fast does it take you to turn things around an episode or whatever? Or does it really depend on the content? Uh, it, it does depend on the the content, but normally I kind of write on average about uh, eight to ten minutes of music a day on average. Bloody hell! And then, and then there are times when when it get really starts hitting the fan where the record I've is 28 I've done 28 <laughs> minutes of full full recorded orchestral everything in one day that is awesome that's the yeah no wonder you're, no wonder me, you're but... so busy <laughs> yeah. yeah we'll use that guy Ty he's probably only going to be around for another couple of weeks at that sort of work right yeah but... it, does feel, <laughs> it does feel that way wow but, um, they ring it out of you yeah yeah. 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 Well, it's it's good that there's you know there's blood, sweat, and tears in it. It's not just a a, a hatchet job. That's the main thing, isn't it? You can no. still put no, no, some no, of yourself just... in it. Absolutely. Well, Ty, thank you yeah. very much for joining us as ever. And um, no we've problem. also got Mr. Mark Tinley over there uh, in his uh, very colourful studio, slightly binary with the, with that blue foam. I'm guessing that's blue foam. Um, uh, it's it not is. egg boxes. It's it's proper soundproofing stuff. From China. Ah, excellent. Imported Special. all the way. <laughs> excellent. Well, uh, Mark Tinley, of course, sound designer, sound artist, and creative thinker and guitarist, as you can tell from those two axes on the wall behind him. How are you, Mark? I'm not dead either. No. I thought I was going to die because I went in the garden and I was um, I was uh, fiddling around with my bees and one of them got in through the zip of the suit and I heard this... And I thought, hang on a minute, that's not in the right place. And I got stung here. Right. And my face came up like a football. Are you, on, are so, you allergic um, to bee stings? That was exciting. Are you allergic to bee stings then, have you discovered? Very, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> may, I, may, I, may I just sort of draw you to this? Maybe the lack of wisdom for uh, taking up that particular activity in your life, perhaps. But uh, you know, I'm 
Or do you? Uh, well, I thought about it. I, I, there's two ways I can look at this. I could go, oh my God, I'm allergic to bees. I really mustn't keep bees. Or I could go, oh my God, I'm allergic to bees. I really must take more care not to get stung. So I'm going to go with the latter for the moment until uh, um, until I get stung again. If I get stung again and the and then the allergy looks like it's getting worse, then I suppose I should probably, you know, maybe go for the more sensible option wow. but i really like keeping bees so i don't know keeps you on your toes i, I I'd imagine. more weird recordings and stuff what do you keep you on your toes i'd imagine yes exactly yeah well or, it's or really, your... really 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 frightening when they all start getting in i was like i was holding this opening where they where they'd been crawling in to stop any more from going in and running up and down the garden trying to shake them off <laughs> which meant i couldn't unzip the thing to get in there to pull the sting out of this one so i ended up and uh, maybe two stings in in, in my Blimey. face that's because normally you can just flick the sting out before yeah, it starts um, pumping yeah it, before it starts pumping in there yeah exactly wow. but i couldn't do that I, i'm, so, I'm anyway. impressed that's that's very impressive anyway but well um, yeah i'm still alive though so that's that's the main good. thing i'm glad to hear that and as i'm sure our, our panel uh, our, our viewers are as well and also gaz williams here uh is in bristol in the studio there with something very intriguing going on behind you there what's that it looks like a uh, is that oh it's headphones on a i see it's headphones on a panel i thought it was something else um, Gaz Williams, producer, bass player, tech music technologist, all of those things. How are you, Gaz? Uh, I'm very well, thank you. Um, I had, a, had an idea just before the show, and I thought it was a brilliant idea, so I thought I'd just mention it quickly. So, it, what about this? I'm just going to try and inspire you with this now, Nick. Imagine this, the Sonic State Wave Depository. Really simple little idea. MIDI file. Everyone download exactly the same MIDI file. Record whatever synthesizer it is, just tag it, say what it is, the detail about it, upload it to the repository, the depository. Okay. <laughs> depository, repository. <laughs> and, uh, and then you just grow a massive load of files of exactly the same MIDI file. Right. Rendered through all these different synths. So you could just like listen to it and say, oh, wow, you know, just out of interest. But crucially, access to the depository is not open. Right. It's only available to people who have deposited, uploaded a web, deposited. Once they've deposited, then they get access to it. You see, so it grows by every time. That's not a bad massive. idea. What tunes are going to play then? Ah, well, there's a thought. Ah, no, no, yeah, that's an interesting thing because they might, they might need to be like a, a mono tune and a polytune, you know. But that's, but if you just tagged everything, so you could just do simply. This is a square wave of uh, Minimoog, you know. Um, okay. That's not a bad idea. And then... Um, perhaps with web MIDI. Well, with web MIDI, it might even be kind of simpler to do, although someone will have to program it, and I'm guessing I know who that might be in this in this instance. <laughs> but uh, audio audio files would have to be conformed to minus six decibels and uh, maybe 24-bit as well. Mm. Perhaps, say, 44, 24 Minus 60 oh, 44, it's 48, 24. All right. Well, that might be possible. We'll <laughs> have to think about with, that. You've got to go with broadcast <laughs> okay, industry sorry. standard I just, format. Okay. I, just, I just thought about it earlier. And I thought every time you do a review, what bang, there it goes in a depository, you know, just, oh, okay. Yeah. Do, 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 do. Okay. I like the idea of that. I think I'm just. I have to. I'll have to ruminate on that one. But thank you very much for that. And also want to say thank you very much to our chat room. I've already said that they're fulsome, aren't they? As, as we know. So uh, right, let's start with a bit of ah, oh yeah, a bit of chip tunes history. 
This is via 8-Bit Guy on um, YouTube. And this is a really, is actually really quite, I thought it was a really quite interesting piece. Uh, Hello, this is David from the 8-Bit Guy. And uh, today I've got... Should have stood a on a box, I feel, perhaps. But Today we're going to talk about how old school music works. So this is just a, really a run-through of how it used to In start. In the early days of home computers, most of them just had a simple beeper speaker. Examples would be the IBM PC and the Apple II. These speakers were controlled directly by the computer's CPU. I, I won't play it all, but he goes on to talk about the uh, sound generation in these, uh, the Nintendos and also the Commodore 64. And also, I mean, this is something that was really uh, a bit of an eye-opener, the Yamaha YM3812 chip, which was in everything. I mean, it was in Sound Blaster. It was in Sound Blaster compatible. They must have made a fortune in the uh, late 80s and early 90s, Yamaha, if they've got embedded in every single thing. And it's just a little bit of history and part of it. I'm going to go to you, Ty, first, because one of the things that really blew my mind was the way that people who were composing music for games which is, again, it's this real-time algorithmic thing, we're having mm -hmm. to be really smart and clever with ways of modulating waveforms. So you get, only get one triangle or one square wave, and you've got to use crazy uh, pitch modulations to get to generate these other sounds. Is that something... Yeah, did, did, you, did you start... Uh, did you have any experience of this? I guess it's probably before your time, but... It was only just before my time, but it was literally... It was about uh, three years before my time. And... Uh, absolutely hats off to anyone that actually did it that way because uh, you know the way i write and for how i write and what i write i i couldn't have done that have, i absolutely couldn't have, have you that. ever done any game stuff and um, because i mean obviously there are quite a lot of uh, st standards that you have to adhere to you know the way that the stems interact and all of that sort of thing even now yeah i i haven't no which was quite ironic because i went and gave a, a talk a few weeks ago for um uh, spitfire audio at uh, I can't remember what it was, but it was basically, I can't remember. Gosh, I was there and spoke, and I can't remember <laughs> what it was, but it was for, for do with gaming. Um, and no, I've never, I've never written for, for games. Um, again, because of the way I write and the kind of music I write, I, I'm not saying I'd struggle to do that, but as you say, the kind of rules that you have to follow for that kind of don't really go with the way that I work, really. So it would be, it would be an interesting exercise, but I've never done it. But, but, but the 8-bit the yeah. thing, honestly, I mean, you know, it's interesting from my point of view to watch how it was done because we all know those kind of soundtracks for all these games and to actually watch how it was um, one voice that was then, as you say, modulated in different ways so that it became, it was almost like wave sequencing, yeah. essentially, you know, and that was amazing. That was the the art of doing that is fantastic. Yeah, yeah, and I can absolutely done. agree. I, I suspect Mark also you probably dabbled in some of this because I know you, you know you've built some of your own things and, and it's kind of all about this sort of embedded uh, sound card stuff and utilizing that. I yes, I did, um, and there was a there was what was that music computer that Yamaha CX5, had, which yeah, and CX5, yeah, CX5 and CX5M. That's it. Right, and then did um, Nick Kershaw use one of those a lot? It I think might, it might well have. Eighties artists used them, and and when the DX Seven came out, because that was that was a way of like having everything at your fingertips. And I had a choice of buying one of those 
or a Powertran MCS1 sampler, and I decided the sampler would be more useful. That's it, though. Um, and that little cartridge slot. That was a good move. But before, prior to that, I used to make music using a Sinclair ZX Spectrum. Yes, yeah, similar. And again, I, I had a choice Did of that... using the uh, built-in chips, or, or I made a thing that I plugged into the back of it, which had like an analog to digital converter chip and a digital to analog converter chip which worked at 8000 hertz and i could sample four seconds at eight ah was that the gr- the kilohertz. green side or the green green gate or the green something or other very crunchy oh green gate god yeah i remember them as well and a mate of mine had a commodore c64 with a drum machine thing plugged in the back of it i mean all these things they were there was no way of really kind of getting them to talk to each other so the advantage of the one that I built was that it worked off CV gate and I could program it from an MC202. So I had to work out all of my drums on graph paper and then work out all the numbers for all the different drums and then do each <laughs> drum one at a time. It was kind of because it was monophonic. So. Yeah. It's, it, it, uh, I mean, that you know, there's a lot more thinking involved. Yeah. Well, you had to plan ahead. It took forever. You had to plan ahead. All of it took forever. Gas. Well, I had a Music 500 system uh, running on a BBC Micro. This was back in about 1986. And that was like a really boring-looking beige block. Had no controls on it at I'm all. I'm looking for the pictures It'd now. Connect with a big ribbon cable. And it had like a DIN plug. In, in, that was the way you'd get uh, audio out of it, with a DIN plug, So, which was always really There you go. Does that bring yeah. back memories? Nice. That was the glorious Model B. Uh, wow. I bow that, to your, your greater had, knowledge. Oh, that's had, that's had a massive part of my life, one <laughs> of those have. Fantastic. It's fantastic machines. Uh, but the Music 500 was a, a box that would attach to it. Ah, okay. And it was, a, and it was an eight-voice FM synthesizer. And uh, the initial software for it, Music 500, worked um, more like, like a tracker like lines of code and that's how i first started writing music was in those lines and wow i'm kind of i am a bit nostalgic about it in a way because i didn't know anything about writing music at all so it was just trying to figure out how this how to make these beeps and boops and bloops kind of make some sort of sense and uh it shortly afterwards it went to music 5000 wow that, that's a like a thousand times that's a hundred times better right <laughs> <laughs> but 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 it gives you, you you could see your eight tracks so you're really you started becoming much more aware ah, of the so eight as soon as it became and, visual yeah and i think vince clark was really into it at the time yeah i he think you're like right the, i think you're right the bbc hmm. micro but it was, he was still uh, using he was yeah he was still using uh, the bbc long after the rest of the world had stopped using the BBC. Well, there you go. He was still uh, using it for almost a decade after everyone else had stopped. Wow, good so, for him! Brilliant. It was a, but it was a really quite a powerful system. And uh, yeah, it was. I don't know. Is there any any pictures of the music? I'm just trying to find. What there, is it actually? Nick? Music five thousand. Okay, let me see. I'm going to do a quick search. BBC. Yeah, because I think it was quite ahead of its time, really, but. Because the BBC Micro was a, it was like an education computer. I yeah. had one because my parents were, te- were teachers. Oh, hold on, here it comes. Right, you ready for this? Uh-huh. This is amazing. Yeah. Look at the design on this. 
I'd be nostalgic for this. There it is. Let's have <laughs> the sexiest piece of equipment. A beige box with you a know. ribbon cable sticking out the back of it. Yeah. Look, look at that. Learn. You know, this is, this is, yeah, Axel Hartman eat your heart out. Yeah. Awesome. That's brilliant. Yeah. So you had, you had a, you had a 5,000 system. I had, well, I had the 500. Ah, the 500. But, but the, which, but it looked exactly the same. It uh, didn't have quite as flashy a graphics on the front. <laughs> <laughs> For those of you who missed that screenshot, uh, there it is. Look at that, beautiful. Um, but the software, it was essentially exactly the same, but the software was an enormous upgrade. And the 5,000, it uh, blew my mind. And I, that that set me off then. That That's where you started out. Music 5,000. It's interesting because now you're very much more about playing and real instruments did was there a point where you got to where you just thought oh, i'm sick of prodding the keyboard you know i'll just i'll play the bass or or were you doing that at the same time i think it's always been both things simultaneously with me really it's just that i knew that um you know the sexy thing to do is play live isn't it yeah you know? <laughs> more likely <laughs> to get you the girls there. than perhaps <laughs> yeah there we go <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, yeah. Wow. But that music five thousand looks really sexy to me now, though. That's the thing. Utilitarian. Yeah, but that's, <laughs> uh, but that's what nostalgia does, unfortunately. The thing is, the reality is, cause, you know, kind of. I've looked at lots of things that I used to have back in the day, and then you look at it and you just go, "Oh wow, it used to be amazing. I used to love it then. That's fantastic." And then I do the stupid, foolish thing of going and buying them again. Yeah. And you then sit down. I just think. You just sit down. And after an hour, you just go, what on earth? How did I do this? <laughs> I mean, I used to be, a, just just like Mark was saying, really, I, I used to be a big MC202 user. Yeah. And um, I used to love my 202. And um, just like everyone else, when things moved on, I got rid of it. And then I just really had an urge to get a 202. So I, I bought it. And you sit there and within half an hour, I'm thinking, how on earth did I do anything? with this it's you know i'm not saying it's awful but it's um it's not as you remember everything takes forever doesn't it yeah it does i mean and the Absolutely. same thing on that actually even if you you did all your sequencing on an mc202 didn't that have a tape save function as well yeah, I yes so i'd have worked, all these cassettes yes. where i'd i'd yes. go like right i want to load a song so i'd load all of the sequencing deep stuff into one thing and to load four seconds of samples into my zx spectrum probably took about four or five minutes so i'd go off and make a cup of tea while i was loading a snare sound awesome. you know? uh the hitman um, so the, what, sorry the hitman in the chat room said in 1974 he made a synth by tapping a po taping a pocket calculator to a shortwave radio pressing the different numbers change the pitch of the radio static now that's that's dedication Fantastic. for you yeah <laughs> cool go the tape thing does anyone remember a program in in the UK called Saturday Superstore. Uh, yeah. Remember Saturday Superstore on Saturday yeah. morning? They did a kind of talent show thing back in, I don't know, the early 80s. And I just got a 202 and we'd got through to the final of this thing. And we basically turned up to do the recording. And uh, I had my 202 and my Korg Monopoly and whatever. And come to do the recording and go, okay, fine, set up the keyboard. Came to load on the cassette to the 202 with all of the sequencing in. And you can guess what I'm going to yeah, say. It didn't work. No, wouldn't, chew, wouldn't load chew in. The tape. Just, just wouldn't load oh. in. And it didn't chew the tape, but just refused to load. Oh, nice. And I've got oh. the entire, I had no idea, but I've got everybody in this TV studio just waiting, going, has it, has it loaded yet? Has it loaded yet? It was never going to load. So they had to rejig everything. 
and I had to just sit in a back room and reprogram everything from scratch. Oh, oh my God. Oh, wow. and, and it was, it, I mean, it was a thing that it had taken weeks to do the program on this thing. And I essentially had about, it was about 45 minutes or something to sit down and program it all from scratch. Wow. It was not pleasant. That is, it wasn't, that's wasn't. a fantastic story of, uh, <laughs> of that's brilliant. all for the price of a 15 pence cassette tape. That's just amazing, isn't yeah, it? exactly. <laughs> I think so, it was the cassette recorder that you used that was the key to it, though, because yes, I, I right. had loads of problems with those things. Eventually, I went to Argos and I bought this Philips cassette deck, which was about 20 quid. It was a good that's, quality, that's quality kind of dictaphone thing, and that solved that issue for me. And and something to do with getting the volume right. If you got the volume wrong, can you remember that guy? Actually, it was a who was in. He was in the Buzzcocks, wasn't he? Pete, Pete Shelley. Shelley. Yeah. And he mm-hmm. did a um, a single, which I think was Telephone Operator or something, and on the B side of that, the first, or an album maybe, on the first track on it, on an LP, was the code for a Sinclair ZX Spectrum. And I remember spending hours trying to load that from an LP into a ZX Spectrum and eventually getting it to work. And then you played the single and then you played... Uh, you pressed go on the computer at the same time and it had all these kind of flashing green and pink lines going across the screen at the same time as the record was playing and roughly in sync you had a sort of a video and then some words would come up and stuff can anyone else remember i don't that? remember that wow mm. i can remember it happening i never had it i don't yes i can remember there was i remember reading about it at the time wow. but i never too cutting edge it, never. Yeah. This is a, this is a funny, yeah, I mean, it was Sonic tr- talk, isn't it? Is, yeah, we're, we're like, this, <laughs> this is, is dating the ancient Sonic yeah. talk. Maybe, ancient we, maybe we should move yeah. things up a pace and start getting, <laughs> get into the 21st century, Grandad. I was going to tell you about, I was going to tell you about my cassette story, but I won't. Oh, I won't really? A, you got another one? Oh, oh no, I'm, come on. You got to, you got to now. Well, all it is, is the fact that someone contacted me, someone contacted me um, to say that they'd found, they were moving or something and they'd found a cassette of that I'd given them when I'd wrote, written all my uh, songs when I was uh, 15, 16, and they'd found this cassette. And they sent me the cassette for me to, um, so I could listen to all these songs that I haven't heard for 30-odd years. And I'm sure they're going to be dreadful. Anyway, the cassette arrived. I duly got out my Sony cassette deck, my top end, you know, really posh. It won't work. So even the cassette deck doesn't want me to actually play cassettes. So I thought, okay, well, I'll just go and buy a new cassette deck. How many companies do you think still make cassette decks? Very few. That I can find? None. Uh, one? One or two. Who is it? Tiak, I think. It's the only one I can find. Make one double cassette deck with no Dolby. And that's it. That's all I can find. Now, if anyone in the chat room actually can find it, this isn't the case. That's great, but I can find one cassette deck that you can still. Wow! I used to play this game, and and um, I, I read about this guy who does this thing. His name's Todd Silver, and he gives away a dollar every day. He's the secret dollar man. So he does this give a dollar a give away a dollar a day dot com. I think's his website, and he goes around and tucks a dollar bill into various different things. And I decided to take on this um, th- this thing, and I was putting pound coins in places and sort of playing that game for a bit. And then I thought, wouldn't it be cool if I did it with objects? So I had a cassette deck, which I could have given you, but I 
I can't now <laughs> because I took it to the boot sale. And I used to go to the boot sale with objects and then I'd go on people's stalls and I'd like put the thing down and then walk off without being caught. And it's <laughs> So you'd be reverse reverse car boot psychology. <laughs> so, That's an interesting. Yeah, so I'd left this cassette deck on this woman's stall and then I wandered past her stall a bit later, but she hadn't seen me do it and she's standing there looking all around with this, uh, you know, like a, <laughs> one of the 17-inch wide kind of like hi-fi stacking things. I think that was a TAC as well or Tascam or something. Um, Is it otherwise known as dumping your junk? Yeah, it's the same sort of thing. <laughs> no, it has to work. It's like free cycling, okay, but people don't know that you're they're free you, that you're free cycling. And then the thing is to sort of like surreptitiously catch them selling it later and see how much ah. money they make from it. Well, uh, the chat room is speculating, Ty, what you might possibly leave at a car boot sale, given that you've got such a massive collection of synthesizers. I'm suspecting none of those. <laughs> but I think let's 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 bring it back into the uh, 21st century yes, now. Yes. Uh, yes. And um, the the one well. One thing that was really uh, that really came up, we were talking about this last week a little bit, or, or certainly a couple of weeks ago, is the uh, the notion of room correction. And I didn't realise that. I mean, three of our panel actually use room correction, which is a technology to kind of like try and flatten the sound of your room so you get the optimum listening experience. And this is something the only thing I've ever experienced with this is the uh, uh, um, IK Multimedia ARC system because I did a video on it. So what I'll do is I'll leave that thought. Then before we go there, we're just going to have a message from our sponsor. How about that for a teaser? <laughs> so here we go I want to say thank you very much to our show sponsors Isotope uh, we're talking to you about Break Tweaker it's like a future beat machine it's a very unusual way of creating kind of uh, generative beats but also synthesis beats that will behave in very unusual sort of sliced and granular kind of sculpting ways they call it a, sculpt, a drum sculpting and beat sequencing environment and it sort of blurs the line between rhythm and melody because you don't have to just put one shots in there you can put phrases you can put all sorts of things in there you can give your beats an ever evolving depth that gets better the longer they play you use rhythmic slicing to drive everything from pitch melodic lines to sweeping rhythmic overtures you can top it off with a comprehensive drum sample library which they also uh, offer curated by bt isotope and other top producers you can explore a new era of rhythmic possibilities with this forward thinking and forward sounding instrument and of course as uh, Isotope is, I want they are giving away a copy of this week uh, we have actually got a winner from last week so we'll announce that first and uh, our winner is a chap called Jamie Monroe, uh, whose Twitter handle is at UKDHRacer. Uh, he tweeted out the hashtag BreakQueaker and Future Beats, uh, and he also added the Help Me Fix My Broken Beats guys. So uh, we can honestly say that the Isotope Ferry will, in fact, be able to help you fix your broken beats. Just get in touch with us. We need your email address, and the Isotope Ferry can uh, drop off uh, a a fully working unlimited package of break tweaker which in case you wanted to know you can also download a working copy of 10 days limited from isotope.com slash break tweaker and we do have another competition this week this week we're asking you this you have to be on twitter for this so it's but it's no great shakes it's just a very simple process uh, you tweet the hashtag creative drums which is one word and the hashtag break tweaker to at sonic state and at isotope inc uh, it's on the screen now but if you're listening to the mp3 version of this i'll just say it again so create hashtag creative drums and the hashtag break tweaker to at sonic state and at isotope inc and uh while you're at it you know fill up those extra uh, characters because it's 140 characters you get in twitter obviously stick a picture on it as well let's have a look show us your studio anything you like really i mean we're just looking for entries and our uh, highly advanced uh, random generator uh, computer 
competition winning uh, uh, machinery will pick a winner for next week so once again we thank isotope for their continued sponsorship of the show right so room correction this is this again is a very interesting thing i, I know gaz you use it in your system and what i what i've tried to do is find out which ones you've used and i've so i've got a little bit of uh, web so what's the system that you use gaz oops i'll turn you on System. That's better. Sorry, say that again. I'm, I muted you uh, for a second. The KRK Ergo system. So that's this guy here. So it's a separate box. Yeah, I think it's discontinued now, but um, I've had it for years, probably about mm, six years, maybe. But um, the thing that's nice about that is it's always running inside the box. So the box is like a monitor controller, and I feed it an SPDIF signal. Right. Uh, and then that goes to my monitors then uh and you, it, it, you know it comes with a microphone like a uh, uh and then it would um output noises out of each of your speakers and then the microphone would then sort of you know do a do an analysis comparison. right it knows so it's a, it's a matched analysis, system yeah. effectively yeah and it's sort of um you know it it can't be it can't do everything but it, it, it doesn't kind of claim to. It sort of says it's for just making some adjustments at 500 hertz and below. So it's for um, sorting out the bottom end more than anything else, right? Yeah, but I get a really strong uh, stereo. It, it really affects the stereo image for me because you can bypass it from the front panel, which is really cool. So you can hear it with and without. So it's very easy to, you know, assess. And it's... It always surprises me when I do that, just how much more. It just feels like everything's much more in phase somehow. In focus, you know, perhaps, as well, right. Focus, yeah, focus, I think. But, you know, a lot of people claim that sort of stuff is snake oil, but, I mean, I've been using it for a long time. And, do you know, one of the best things about it is it's just nice to have, like, it's like having someone in the room going, yeah, man, that sounds all right. Yeah, go with that. Just like something... You know, is it like having a separate pair of monitors when you switch out you're you're hearing the natural sound of the room so it's almost like another monitoring source effectively not no not okay not as no <laughs> okay. but it just it makes it sound a bit more swimmy to me when it's when i bypass it the sound like certainly the bass the you know the the tightness of the sound it definitely improves that and the the stereo becomes a little bit more um i think it's stable you know but but as i say it's just nice to have it reassure you that what you're doing because i do a lot of mastering and it's you know a lot of listening critical listening uh and it's just nice to have something there just to you know make you feel a little bit more confident about making the decisions that you that you have to make you know anything helps in, in oh, that absolutely period, doesn't it? And, you know, uh, i noticed it's got firewire on it is that to do with the control software what's what's going on with that yeah, it, well, it could actually work as a FireWire interface, ah, okay. although I never really had any success out of that because as a quite a simple one. But um, but you can run uh, – it's a good little speaker monitor system, actually. I think it was really ahead of its time and overlooked just the unit itself. It's really well made, nice big volume control on it. But uh, the thing that was nice about it is uh, when I was running a subwoofer, which I don't do anymore, I'd run it out of the, out of the B channel. And it was clever enough to automatically, when when the sub was on, it would filter the the speakers. Ah, okay. So, uh, so the, it would do the crossover. You know, oh, that's nifty. Yeah, that's yeah, the sort yeah, of thing. Yeah. That's... So it was a really, it was a clever little box. But I think you know, you go on places like Gear Sluts, and and people are out to kill things like that. They're out to kill stuff, which is 
you know, like Messi- messing with your master pass. Yeah, I think well, just a, a, people don't like things that are affordable. Was it, how much was it when when it came out? Was it five hundred UK? So pounds. it was. It wasn't. Yeah, it was. It wasn't cheap up at the time, but affordable is mm. true. But I've been using it for a long, long time, and it's never let me down. Right. And Mark, you use the uh, the IK Multimedia, which is a software-based solution, isn't it? And you, it, it's kind of got a yeah. profiling that le- allows you to learn. Uh, let me see. I think I've got that here. You're on the Arc 2 system, right? Which is a it's a profiling system that yeah. allows you to learn, learn it and then apply it. But that has to go somewhere on the master bus, which presumably makes it a little more complicated to make sure that you've got well, it in or out. Yeah, and it's... That's the that's the problem with it. When when I worked with Duran and the, and we were in their little production room, I had somebody come in and correct the room, and he and he sort of told me how it worked and why it worked to correct the room and gave me like a a graphic EQ kind of setting to put across the master bus in Pro Tools. And the thing is, you just never end up doing it. So Arc is the same. I have to drag the Arc plugin to my master bus. Uh, it doesn't in- introduce too much latency, so it's not like it doesn't overly weird things out. Um, well, you've got to remember uh, to turn it off. But, but 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 if I don't remember yeah. to turn it off, and I bounce something without remembering to turn it off, then it cre- you know you end up with uh, something that would only ever sound good in my room. And what I've <laughs> noticed in the plugin when I because the it, it, there's a software program that you in the computer you connect your sound card to it and then you hold a microphone in the room in various different listening positions and you've got to do at least seven so you do one in front of you left ear right ear then behind your ears and then kind of in front of you towards your speakers so that's the first seven and you can do more Uh, it gets more complex depending on uh, what level of complexity you want to go for but in this tiny little room uh, what i notice is happening is there's a main room mode between where my speakers are in front of me and that wall which is literally just behind me and that creates like a frequency so you get a reflection and because then that bounces back and forth between these two walls um and there's not much i could do about that other than to put maybe i don't know two foot of rock wall on that wall or knock that wall down and start using my neighbor's bedroom as as the rest of my (laughs) studio um that 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 room mode is always going to be in this room. So it's, it makes sense to me to like try and minimize it by EQing to, uh, to compensate right. for it. So it does make a huge difference to my speakers in here. Um, it takes all the boominess out of them. So I think that room mode must be somewhere in the 150 kind of hertz-ish, somewhere around there. Um, which sounds great with some music, with hip hop, with big 808 kind of kick drums going. It's like, whoa, I like the sound of this. But actually, you've got no real benchmark if I'm mixing things to, do, to give to other people. So, do you, do you find it when you mess. do remember to use it, and you, you, do you find it really does improve the quality of the mixes? Definitely improves the quality of the mixes. It improves my stereo imaging. Uh, so, I get a much better sense of where I can put things. Uh, and, and it gives me a much uh, tighter control over clashing things in the low end. So it, if I've got clashing things in the low end and I don't put it on and I've got 808 kick drums and bass lines that are running into them and it's all a big mess, it's really hard to EQ that out If because the room's yeah, uh, also yeah, you're not. Uh, messing with that. But when, that's, when it's compensated for, it's much 
easier to sort of hear like oh if i put a little bit of boost here it's or cut here i i can hear i can hear that i'm creating holes in the mix much more clearly than if it's all just swimming around and like one great big gun. Right. According to this, it's uh, 299 euros. I'm guessing, does that come with the mic or do you have to buy the mic separately? Do you remember? Yeah, it comes with the mic and it won't work with other microphones. Right, so, so that it's microphone calibrated for it. is def- it's calibrated to work with it, but it's also, uh, there's two different types of mic and I think that one's diffuser compensated, which means that it rolls off in a, weird way from the top so when i uh try i've got, also got a behringer mic which is flat so i tried using it with that and it and it just sounded absolutely horrible the result so that didn't so work. it has to be calibrated um okay and then i bought a calibrated mic from america i don't know if this is going to work we tried this earlier didn't we is that no it's a bit blown no. out okay well this so let's try this Th- this microphone plugs in the top of my iphone wow. but it's calibrated so I bought a little uh, one and a half volt power supply for it, and I can plug this into my sound card. And then I've used a piece of software called Room EQ Wizard, and I can also um, uh, measure the room using completely calibrated. Ah, okay, flat that's this thing. That's a free one, isn't it? But there's only one listening position with that, ah. so you can't. You, uh, it, the software doesn't. Um, the thing that Arc does, and I think the thing that Ergo does, is it will listen from lots of different places in the room and it will work out a lot more information about the room from listening in different places. And then it will yeah. do a kind of a a, a compensated right. EQ curve. So the 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 Ergo um, has got a the Ergo has got a switch on it called focus and global. And focus is for the listener, F for the listening position for like your working space, and global to play it for the room oh right so, okay well that yeah know, d- yeah makes a difference so um ty you it makes a t- difference if i oh sorry. sorry go i was just gonna say it makes a difference if i open or close the door in this room i've got two different curves i've got one if i want to feel like i'm you know in the flow of the house so to speak so i can hear what my kids doing and all that sort of stuff and one if i want to close the door and just really like lock myself in here it's definitely different right uh, Ty, you've got a, a, a room correction system. Is that something that uh, you've always used or, you know, have you just discovered this particular one and had a eureka moment? No, I, I used to, um, I used to be like Mark, I used to use Arc 2. And uh, for all the same reasons that Mark kind of had a, not, not problems with it, but yeah, I used to forget to switch it off when I was mixing down. And uh, it, it was always just, it seemed like it was was almost there, but was never quite right and then um it was never particularly an issue about the sound of the room but i just i just noticed that i'd be sending i'd make mixes quite bass heavy and then i'd go down to um uh post-production you know dubbing sessions and suddenly realized that it wasn't quite as bass heavy as i it was when i left here and so i kind of looked into the best thing to do and um i did as much treatment in the room as i could do just you know kind of good old-fashioned treatment and uh, then someone introduced me to the Trinoff system. Right, I've got that. Which um, is basically it's a it's a glorified PC. I mean, it's essentially it's a PC with the most unbelievably amazing um, software on it, and the difference it makes is absolute night and day. Oh, really? In a, in a very kind of, but in a really kind of very subtle way, a very 
musical, very open, very natural. Is that what's kind of the, way, the ST2, the one that you've got? The the one I've got is the ST2 Pro, right? Which is this guy. Um, and it's a four channel system, and essentially, uh, just like the um, just like Gaz's system, you basically it goes from my monitor controller into the into the computer into the you know the ST, then goes to my monitors and because I've got I've got very you know I've got really good monitors and I was just really feeling that I wasn't getting the full benefit of them. Um, what what monitors do you honest, use? By just out of interest, I've got MM twenty uh, MM twenty sevens barefoot. Uh, MM twenty sevens and K and H three hundred Ds. Right. Okay. So some top. Ed- so the surround setup is three hundred Ds, and the stereo setup is um, barefoot <laughs> audios. Um, and the, I can't. You know, it's really difficult to explain how amazing it is a system, but it doesn't just analyze EQs. But you basically you have to buy a special. It's a kind of three D microphone with four heads, so it wow. does uh, time and distance. It basically analyzes the whole thing and it analyzes for room modes uh phasing uh, early reflections uh, reverb tail um right so pretty else? complex I mean, stuff just, and what what, what about latency i mean do you, is there anything noticeable latency wise in there or is it well this was the thing because initially when i had it put in when it came and was installed because it's like a proper installation job when he came and installed it and we did all the analysis um he said, oh, it will add some latency to it, which um, obviously I wasn't that happy with, but obviously understandable. And so he, I said, okay, well, that's fine. I'll just do it when I'm mixing. You know, when I'm working, I'll, I'll leave it out and when I'm mixing. But the difference it made was so huge. Literally switching it out, I just thought, I can't work like this anymore. And so it's literally, it's permanently on. It's permanently switched on, and I'm kind of allowing now. For I think he said he thought it would add about nine milliseconds latency, but I don't. I don't think it is nine milliseconds. I think it's less than that. But the the difference it makes, it's just changed every single mix, and the stereo imaging is suddenly unbelievable. The room itself has no influence on the sound, and and um, it's just an amazing system. So when, when to the extent wow. when you say it changes the stereo imaging, does it bring out what's already there, or it allows you to position things more clearly? It it literally means that there's no blurring. It's literally you can actually see all the instruments completely, and it actually separates. It's just like essentially, it's just like the monitors should really be. If that that's all it really does. It makes the monitor sound exactly as they should be and, and, and as flat as possible. And it's a constant yeah. system. It's in kind of this real time changing stuff. And my, my concern with all of this is just like everyone said that it'd color, it'd really color the sound or sound artificial or whatever. Honestly, I mean, the big, the biggest difference was the, the biggest problem was at the very beginning when, when he first did all the analysis and put it up. And I just said, Oh, it sounds, it sounds awful. It sounds really bass light. And it wasn't that at all. It was the fact that I got so used to the bottom end being as it was. It took me a good week of constant listening to suddenly realise that it wasn't bass light at all. It was just, it was now the proper true bass. So cleaner. I mean, it, it, completely, completely. And it's, one, it's I, I, can't, I can't rate this system enough to the extent that I've got the four channel system. They've just brought out the Deem on the um, one that can go up and do more i think it's up to 16 outputs and so the basically i'm going to 
do the whole system with the surround sound system and the stereo system all on one uh, using a demon, which is, you know, that goes into silly money. Right. I mean, it does go. Right. I mean, the, the basic system, including the microphone, the one that I've got is, I think it's about £4,000. Wow. And by the time you Did you buy the one, microphone as well then? Yeah, you have to buy the microphone so you've, separately. You've got it and you can double check it from time to time, can absolutely. you? Or? It, it's absolutely, you can check it all the moment. Check. For example, I have to check it all when the Moog went in ah, because that was going to change. Say, as soon as you start adding anything to the room, it's going to change Abs- things, isn't it? But it, absolutely, I've changed, I've moved, I've changed the screens, uh, the monitors that I use, screen monitors, and so that I re-analyzed it for that. And the great thing about yeah. it is you have um, a whole load of presets so again i've got it so that in my perfect where i sit and mix position is one preset i've also got it so that if a director comes down and sits on the sofa down there to listen that i can literally control it from the computer and i choose that position and in their position (laughs) they get the ideal that's really interesting but i mean i think the thing is obviously if you're working all the time putting out master mixes from that room all the time it makes sense it's often i suppose there's this sort of it's a bit like um blokes and and um having the right power tools or you know using a hammer rather than something that's kind of uh makes it easier there's this sort of notion that somehow if you do that you're you're failing it's it's you know do you know what i mean but i i think it when you've got something that's that night and day, I mean, that sounds incredible that it's going to make such a big difference and it makes a lot of sense. Hey, the thing, I've, I've, said, this, oh, I've said this all along about everything, not not just with this, about all, you know, because kind of, I have so many people talking about the amount of gear that I've got and, and all that kind of thing. And my argument is always that if you stuck Lewis Hamilton in a Mini and stuck in a Formula One on a Formula One track, he'd come last. He may be the best driver out there, but he's going to come last. And so from my point of view, any tools that can make my life easier, any tools that can make my day-to-day writing easier, although it may cost in the short term, it means that my life is easier, therefore it will pay back and I can do more work. Right. Does that make yeah, sense? Yeah, I, I know. I can totally see that. Actually, one thing DSL synth <laughs> in the chat room says, uh, how about sort of reference headphones versus, versus studio room correction? I mean, do you listen on headphones as well? I mean, do you find that the, that the combination of those things t- tallies, I suppose? Yeah, I, again, I do. And I've been searching long and hard to try and get the, the right headphones, but... Um, uh, yeah, I think that you're absolutely right. The, the great thing about this system now is the fact that everything tallies up. Everything. The K&H, you know, the K&Hs now tally up with the with the barefoots, which tally up with the headphone mixes. Everything tallies up now. And I can now take my mixes anywhere and be absolutely confident that they're going to be right, which, I, you know, I, I've never been able to do that before. That sounds like a very powerful um, argument uh, for it. Guys, yeah, sorry. I just wanted to say, in my with my much more humble system here, uh, why I like it is when I'm using EQs, they just feel much more. It just sounds like it's much more predictable. What I'm doing on on the screen just seems to sort of match what you're hearing. Um, what you're hearing. What I'm hearing much more, and then and when I bypass it, oh yeah, it it becomes again a little bit more of a guessing game. Have I, you know, so it feels like I can maybe make a you know, more resolution about the decibel changes, I suppose, mm. you know, and that's, and that, yeah, so that, that made it worthwhile for, for me. It's, it's interesting. It sounds yeah. a bit like, you know, when you get your first pair of glasses and you didn't think you needed them and then suddenly you go, oh yeah, right. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. It is. A, that's exactly. I mean, I think, 
people say that you should always sort the room out first, but and and I think you should do both because I think uh, the, you correct the room as much as you can, but there's going to be things that you absolutely can't correct in a home studio. So if you can correct some of that electronically, I think it's it's almost. I mean, an analogy would be. You're trying to program a synth, but the but the the resonance feature on the synth has broken and it's jammed half on. So you're trying to program a cello in a synth with the resonance jammed half on. You're never going to be able to get there. Whereas if you can, if you could fix that, right, then you would be able to to, to program properly. So it's almost like the room is creating a resonant a pro- frequency, which is a problem that's not meant to be there. If you can fix that, then you you can work properly. I mean, absolutely. The thing is, when I when I had this when I had this room designed in the first place, I mean, they told me straight away the guys doing all the acoustic treatment that you know I shouldn't have so much glass in there because obviously we all know glass isn't good for acoustic property wise. But you know, the view is so beautiful. I was going, no, no, no. I, I don't want to be locked in a cupboard, so I want <laughs> I want glass. And and so I did literally. I mean, I was really fortunate. I had Hugh Robjohn uh, from. Um, Sound on Sound, who was a friend of a friend, and he came and he kind of looked at doing all the treatment, uh, acoustic treatment, and we did literally as much as we could do. But we always knew because of the glass and because of how how much gear I've got and things, it was always going to be a compromise. So as you say, it's better to do what you can in terms of the treatment and then do the final touches with the electronics rather than going, do you know what? I'm going to do nothing with the room. It's just as it is. And then put it all down to electronics because essentially the more the electronics have to do, the more unnatural the sound is going to be. The reasons it works for me is that, you know, acoustic wise, it's, it's not bad in here. It's quite good. So the, the electronics are doing what they have to do, but not too much. If this was a big echoey room, they would be really struggling to keep up. So, which is also going to affect the sound quality. Mm. So, yeah, Mark's completely I mean, right. Um, I would. If you, uh, I'm, sorry, I'm just, I was just thinking we should it. probably on move on. move on a little bit. This is fascinating. Can I just subject. say one last okay, thing right, though? When I worked in Metropolis, in Metropolis <clears throat> downstairs, they've got like a sheet of glass which leans away from the mixing desk, and the whole wall is glass. Yeah. So you're working in a room where that whole wall in front of you is glass and then you've got a massive piece of metal in front of you which is bouncing sound straight up into your face, as in the the desk. So that room has to have some electronic correction. It can't all just be done with rock wall and and, uh, traps and stuff. There must be some electronic correction in there because it just wouldn't work otherwise, would it? So I would assert that most big studios probably have a graphic equaliser across the output of their amplifiers to correct for some other stuff in the room. So I, you know, these, these, when we're off air, I'll tell you a story. Okay. They're just plug-in okay. versions of graphic equalizers. Yes. Well, a, a bit more phase, phase coherent. Right. Let's get on to, uh, there's another topic because this is a topic close to, uh, certainly I know Ty's heart. Axel Hartman teases a new monster synth. This is uh, uh, spotted oh. by Synthetopia. This thing uh, has a sort of Waldorf <laughs> wave about it. And uh, he's basically, you know, we know Axel Hartman is a, ah. a, a genius synth designer. He's been involved in yeah. so many uh, synth synth designs, classic synth designs for a number of companies, and as we know, he did the Neuron, uh, and this looks like uh, some sort of super synth, which I don't know whether the Waldorf Electronics, but uh, it is. I know it is the Sledge. Every single button and knob on there 
is the sledge. I've had a good look <laughs> at it, and it's exactly the same. It's because they say it's the sledge engine, but it's got an SPL SPL output. Uh, some yeah. they've they've beefed up the outputs. Uh, it's milled from one big block of aluminium, ah, uh, but the actual synth itself is the sledge. Oh wow! Waldorf sledge uh, synthesizer filled, engine. There we go. They filled they filled the 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 sixty meg of samples with the uh, with sounds from the Hartman neuron, which is a nice right. little nod to that, but. I, I, I've scrutinised those pictures, and it is the sledge. Every button, every knob, everything is in exactly the same place. Uh, it looks sledge. like, according to this, they're only going to be making twenty black and ten, twenty silver will be made. Uh, this sort of super slim look is very interesting, and uh, that there, th- this notion of this kind of front panel lean up, which is that's very similar to the wave. I mean, they're, they're, I want. I mean, I'm guessing yeah. it's going to be a couple of grand. Plus, I mean, that's just because it looks like it's so beautifully made. With you know, it's a, it's a, it, what would it, what would I call it? Not a, um, it's boutique, but it's also, it's got something about it. it's, it's a stylistic kind of thing, I guess. But if I, I know you're very fond of the sledge engine, I wonder if they're going to do anything to enhance it a little bit. Um, that would be really, really interesting. Um, I think they'll hmm. they'll have to. Yeah, we don't know I how much they, it is. They will have to. Uh, no, I no, I don't. But. Um, as long as it's not silly money. Are you anticipating um, another room correction uh, analysis process coming along shortly? Yes, very much, very <laughs> much so. Uh, I think the thing is, for me, I'm a, I'm a, I'm, I'm a Waldorf fan. I've got a Microwave XT. I've got a MicroQ. I've got a Pulse. I've also got a Hartman Neuron. So wow, everything's kind of leading me down the path that this seemed like a kind of dream instrument. And and a couple of weeks ago, I was actually sitting there going, do you know what, I really fancy a wave. So I was trying to find if there are any waves available. So all of these things together are just kind of making me, that this is a kind of bit of a, as long as it's not ridiculous money, I think this is a bit of a no-brainer. And I guess the, for the other thing is with all of these things, I mean, you know, if it's collectible and it's got, you know, it's going to retain value and it looks like it's a beautiful thing. So, a- Absolutely. And I mean, I think just the fact that it's got, if it's, I don't think it's got sounds from the neuron. I think it's got the neuron sample Wait, set. Right. Yeah. So the sample set that comes with the neuron and uh, just for people that have never played with the neuron, the sample set in a neuron is, it is a fantastic sample set. It's very esoteric it's it's very individual it's also i have to say that because they never really finished the neuron it's also full of lots of noise and clicks and pops and it's it was never finished there's loads of really awful loops in there and i'm sure that they will be um you hope so sorted as as a sample set it's it's a Mm. beautiful beautiful sample set so that combined with Mm. the sledge engine because you know i love the sledge uh, as a as a concept, it just as a form factor, it never kind of worked out for me. But I think the engine in there is. It, I had a good long, very long play on one. Um, it's a fantastic synth. I mean, it's really underrated mm. for. for well, I know, I know, and I if agree. they do, I'm, if they do, kind of Waldorf it up a bit. Um, all the better, yeah. You know, I mean, I'm I'm sitting there thinking, I I just hope that they're going to put some kind of more kind of uh, you know kind of um, microwave XT kind of mm. features in there. In which case. I'm just going to be in seven, Kevin. I, I, I'm, I'm confused about that though because I'm kind of hopeful that they'll bung a bunch of stuff in and that they'll may as well make uh, my little sledge. Wee. Hey. Uh, <laughs> yeah, boost it up. But the whole kind of one knob per function 
that the sledge has got. I can see that on the on this new one. So I I, I just wonder whether uh, you know to to incorporate extra functionality is going to somehow um, compromise the the idea of it. You know, which um, I know that the sledge is is that's definitely true of the sledge this is all speculation on my part just from looking at those pictures but um because they're only making 40 of them it makes me think that it's just a it's just a you know a sledge in a new dress you know um, <laughs> with some so, with some nice stuff yeah, you yeah. know and it, i think the spl what does it say it's, about the output it's the it says, spl i've never seen that before aura. on a synth using like a because spl german Highly regarded uh, audio, super op amp audio technology. Yeah, mm -hmm. we've not seen that. I don't think on a keyboard before, like a kind of like a preamp being sort of promoted. As yeah, a, that's a, that's know, an interesting concept. The D two A being, I guess it's the D D two A output, something like that. Uh, yeah, oh, yeah, I don't okay, know. I mean, it, it, it's always nice to see niche boutique stuff. And from somebody who's got a pedigree like Axel Hartman, uh, have you got any um, Hartman design since um, Mark? Do you know? Uh, no, I wish. Uh, he did do some GUIs for uh, software stuff as well, I believe. If I, I don't remember which ones, but um, I know he had. Nave, Nave. on the iPad. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, did yeah. he? All right, then. Yes. <laughs> 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 he, did, he did the virus polar. I like well. Nave on the iPad. It's the, uh, That's probably the most fun out of all the things I've got on the iPad It's to play with. I like being able to type silly things in and get it to say them. Uh, <laughs> that, that little vocoder in there is fun. Oh, yes, um, I but, yes. I, but also some of the programming in there or some of the programmers who have contributed sounds to that thing, um, uh, some of it's just really kind of out there, yeah. uh, uh, but in a really nice kind of uh, PPG stroke wave type yeah. digital kind of, you know, nasty kind of way, as well as, um, as, well as some of the kind of, uh, Edward Scissorhands, esoteric kind of washy, kind of weird, kind of ethereal kind of things. It does all of those things really well. So, well, um, I know that. Uh, I can. Oh, sorry, I was just going to say I can only imagine that this will do those things just as well, and I would probably like it. Yeah, I think so. I mean, it would be interesting to see if the OS gets a little bit of you know they tinker with some of the things it can and can't do. Uh, from a sledge point of view, sorry, guys. I, I'm such a novice, really synthesizer novice, I guess, in a way, in many ways. And the uh, the wavetable stuff it, it, on the sledge, and I'm guessing this one will have them as well. Uh, it's got the original PPG wavetables. Um, I think there's 66 of them. Well, there's 66 mm -hmm. of them on the sledge. Um, and then within each of those wavetables, um, you know, you can modulate them and et cetera, et cetera. But uh, those wavetables are uh, it started blowing They're my tiny, mind recently tiny but I'm just working through and going wow the amount of tones out of these wavetables uh, being it's the first time I've really really got it with wavetables I thought I had with Animoog uh, but this I suppose possibly because of the pedigree of those wavetables maybe but yeah um, I think you're probably right it, it, it makes for you know the subtractive synthesizer it, it just to feed that into a subtractive synthesizer uh layout you know essentially it's copying the mini moog isn't yeah, it the layout I suppose so, yeah uh but just to feed that 
wavetable element into a mini moog just think of a mini moog with a wavetable and that's what the sort of sledge in is. terms of architecture well, yeah you know? i mean it's, it doesn't sound mm. much like a mini moog but yes the layout is well i i, I suppose one of the things that you could perhaps if you were uh, here we go perhaps if you were ed sheeran you'd be thinking about buying one of these as well because uh, this is the other bit of news i just wanted to drop in there ed sheeran's thinking out loud becomes the first song to hit 500 million spotify's uh, spotify streams which is something that was uh, I, I spotted on uh, billboard recently mm. And that is an astonishing amount of, um, I mean, that's just an absolutely mental amount of people. I was looking at this and I just thought, well, how many people are online? And I, do, I, I think it's something like um, three billion, they reckon, and counting. There's a counter that I did have somewhere, but I think I've lost the uh, page. Where some, So one sixth of the world's population uh, who is online represented i mean it's probably more than one person you know have done it more than once have streamed ed sheeran's track or spot i mean that that by any stretch is some kind of a hit right i mean that is really quite an astonishing amount of reach i mean because you could never achieve that level uh, certainly we're talking within 12 months you could never achieve that level of kind of uh, availability in any other art form for, i can't think of any other way i mean i don't think there's any kind of equivalent type of thing in terms of single sales even no matter how massive a single might be you know whether you're michael jackson or whatever i mean that's a major a major thing i mean he is one of the bigger artists on spotify so i'm guessing that's part of it but uh, i mean obviously that brings up the question of whether it actually generates much revenue i mean that really is another it's probably it's probably earned about two pounds fifty. Well, I did look at this. Five hundred million. <laughs> there is an interesting article on the the tricord, tricordist, which uh, just goes into the sort of approximate amounts uh, that you know a million streams will get you. It's a lot, a really interesting data set actually uh, about how it is. So, what is the approximate amount? I think it the, the gross is about two point six million dollars. So uh, that's, you know, I mean, that, that's a lot of money. But when you consider against 500 million plays, it doesn't seem very much. And then how much he'll see of that? Yeah, well, obviously, there's going to be a split as well. But but it's, I mean, there's, there's just the amount of reach that you can have. I mean, it does, in, 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 in many ways, you could either see this as a real sort of negative, oh, God, nobody earns any money out of music. Or you see, well, the potential to reach that many people is really a, an astonishing kind of advancement in the way that music now is distributed. Um, I don't know. Discuss. <laughs> so which way are we going to go? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> what mood are we in today? We get moaned up for being grumpy. So uh, so we go for the positive slide yeah, so today. Yes, let's go for the positives. Yeah. What a fine way of reaching out to the world. Uh, <laughs> it's a great advancement in the way we listen to music these days. I'm very happy for Ed. <laughs> no, excellent. Thank you. I- I'm very happy for Amy, uh, an old friend of mine. She actually wrote the song. Oh, so, wow. Um, and then Amy Wodge, yeah. She, she's from Bristol, but she lives in, well, she's lived in Wales for a long time now. But she now uh, lives in yeah, Bermuda. She did. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I haven't seen, well, I, I haven't seen her for a few years, but I mean, she's, she's probably well in the money now. So I'm dead chuffed for her. Um, yes, I suppose she's a brilliant song songwriter. You know, she's amazing. So, I think people will discover her obviously through that. You know, if you know, does she does she do already, her own but... kind of stuff as well? On you know, as an artist, or is it mostly just writing for other people? Do you... Oh, she absolutely is a, her own artist. Um, I'm not sure what her release schedule is like these days, but she's a brilliant, brilliant performer, brilliant songwriter, um, and just. Uh, yeah, should have really been successful if there was that platform, which, you know, the, 
I don't know. It's things have changed. I'm just looking but to see if I can find Amy Wodge, uh, dot com folk what? singer. Is this her? Oops, no, yeah. that's not the button I meant to yeah. press. Hold on, let's see if we can get it back before it uh, starts playing me. But there's an EP. There's an EP. Uh, that's her. Ah, okay. That's her. That's her. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mastered her first album. <laughs> Excellent. Not that song though, unfortunately. Yeah, we don't get mastering royalties these mm. days. But <laughs> oh yeah, here we go. Did anyone ever? Did anyone ever have mastering royalties? News: Ed Sheeran and Amy Wedge at, at number one. There we go. So mm. nice one. I know. I mean, it's, it's yeah. in many ways it could be seen as a good news story because I mean, ultimately, you know, where Ed Sheeran came from was guy on a guitar, looper, slightly folky, you know, and that's that's quite positive in the fact that you know, well, I I I was surprised that he hadn't written that song, but I mean, he is a kind of singer songwriter kind of guy, so that's that's quite positive, I suppose. I know, Mark, you were looking forward to your first, uh, well, five million plays would be pretty good for any of us, really, I suppose, let alone five hundred million or even five hundred thousand or five thousand, perhaps, you know, or five, five hundred even, <laughs> five hundred. <laughs> <laughs> something with five in it um i don't know it's a good thing isn't it i mean if people are making money from writing music that means it's still possible to be a musician and that's the important thing yeah. isn't it yes that is very yeah. true well said yeah no that is a very good point um that i i think i, I just wanted to throw that one in there because it's just such a bonkers amount of uh of plays i mean it really is i mean you know obviously all of these things are statistically based are, are due mean, to are able to be sort of slightly kind of uh averaged shall we say i mean joke joking aside the reality is exactly as mark said i mean you know kind of it's not how we were brought up it's not the system that we were brought up with it's not the world that we were brought up with it's the world that we're in now and if this is the way that as mark said people can carry on writing music writing songs and still make a career out of it at whatever level then you know, kind of, it gets to a certain point where you can't be a grumpy old man like me who sits there going, no, 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 you know, I still buy CDs and I still, it, it's the world's moved on. And if if the way of going is Spotify, the way of going is Spotify, we've got to kind of move, move with it, really. Yeah. And um, it's great. I mean, it is, it is good. You know, it is good that if anyone that can make a career out of writing music, that's always a good thing. Yes, that's well said. I think that's a, that's a good point to end. There was one last thing that I really wanted to uh, to play, and only because uh, it's there. Oh, and this is please say it's the Korg. Uh, well, we could do the Korg thing. I've I've got time for that. Yeah, why not? We'll do the Korg. I was going to do the. I'll just play this anyway, just so you can see it, because this is the astonishing 4K UHD of the bloke in on the space station in 4K messing around with a globule of water and it's just the, some of the most amazing imagery um, it has absolutely nothing to do with music apart from it's got a sort of ambient electronic pad behind it <laughs> which sounds like it could be I don't know let's <laughs> say let's say it's going. a neuron just for the hell of it you know <laughs> but there's some, there's some really beautiful imagery there but that's not what we're going to do I just wanted to throw that in there uh, okay let's see where have I got it I've got the yeah this this came out at the beginning of mid, mid through last month and it's an astonishing concept. This is the uh, Korg Liverpool, which is a sort of themed arranger keyboard. And before everybody says, our oh, arranger keyboards are rubbish, uh, just watch this a second, and then we, perhaps we can move on and talk about them generally. So the idea is this is kind of loaded with Beatles songs and sound sets and what have you, which, okay, it may not be something that uh, you or I might find we use. I think he's about to head to Abbey Road, uh, I believe. 
Oh, there's the shot. Yeah, there we go. I don't think I'll play the whole thing. But, um, that, that, that reminds me a little bit of a joke, isn't it? Why did the record producer cross the road? Uh, because the Be- because oh. the Beatles did. That was it, yes. Anyway, that's the, the end of that gag. But yeah, this is the news of the new uh, Liverpool... Uh, I mean, I'm, I can't imagine how much the issue of licensing or what have you. It must have been a very difficult thing to actually achieve. Uh, Ty, you said you wanted to chip in on this, because, I mean, the one thing I will say about Arranger keyboards is the technology inside them is often incredibly advanced, and these new Korg ones have got some pretty amazing synth engine stuff in there, which might be masked by its Beatle nature of this particular model. Absolutely. I think there's there's so many aspects to this. There's so many threads and so many ways to go down this route. And uh, from a positive point of view, I think you're exactly right. In terms of the uh, synthesis behind this, I think it's essentially a... What was the other mini Korg arranger kind of uh, keyboard the, thing? That uh, yes, the Korg... Pe- the, I'm trying to remember that. Um... Whatever, one of those. But in terms of the actual technology involved in, in this... Um, I think the keyboard itself is probably actually quite a good keyboard. And I, do you know what I mean? If you strip away uh, down to the sound blocks and what sounds it could produce, um, I think it's actually good for someone starting out. I think if you want speakers, if you want all of that, that's great. And I think it's as a keyboard at a basic level, I think it's good. Then comes the slightly more negative side of things, which um, you then start to say, so how have they managed to make the track sound so awful, bearing in mind that the technology behind it um, is so good? And then it goes, from my point of view personally, it goes down further still, completely opposite with me just going, if, if you know, kind of that, with the whole Ed Sheeran thing, if that means that people can make a career writing music, that's fantastic. I just think if people are going to start writing music, having an auto-accompaniment Beatles keyboard is just just not awful on <laughs> every level. I could sit on the fence and say what I don't think, but I mean, honestly, it's it's beyond, in my opinion, this is only my opinion, it's beyond dreadful. Right. It's the pits <laughs> of the pits of the pits of the pits. Yeah, but I wonder, I wonder... <laughs> what it's like to really pervert what it was meant for you know because if you think about it the beatles the sounds the beatles used are like the bedrock of a lot of rock music um which it's there's a tradition of just you know totally twisting things around and i wonder if something that's being handed to you in such as corny kind of way if you're to you know take that as a reason just to make music that resembles the beatles uh you know uh that has sorry that has absolutely zero resemblance to the beatles and just you know completely mad freaky that'd music. be an interesting challenge would really it? yeah i would love to how see many people what, will do yeah that. well i wonder yeah, yeah. Um, will. the furthest i'll get to is sounding like oasis instead <laughs> hey okay. <laughs> i don't know i i i mean i think i don't know mark we've we've talked about some of the kind of super arranger keyboards the yamaha tyros and some of the other, some of these things are really quite astonishing in what they can do so there i mean basically i went to abbey road studios i've been in abbey road studios with ken scott ken scott scott for me created a lot of those sounds or certainly engineered a lot of those sounds. It might, I don't know if it was his idea originally to put the vocals through uh, Leslie cabinets and all that sort of stuff. But I'm listening to the demos of this Korg thing. I'm not hearing any of that 
audio innovation kind of going on in here. And all of those flutes and strings and stuff that are on Sgt. Pepper are all Mellotrons, aren't they? Yeah. So there's no sound like a Mellotron coming out in any of these demos. The drums sound like cheesy drum machine. The, there's none of that kind of... It's to do with like the way things are spaced and the way reverbs and echoes and all that sort of stuff was used on things that made some of those songs great. I'm not hearing it, though. No, I think that. Uh, yeah, I think that's a fair point. It's more to do with the, the chord structures and everything. I think we're going to have to um, oh. just, just just curtail you that. I don't know. I, uh, I, I, shall I go and try one? <laughs> yeah, maybe that would be don't an idea. <laughs> maybe that would be an idea. Do you think they've got the Union Jack the right way up as well? Uh, I don't know. Has anybody checked? I didn't, I didn't check that, no. Uh, but I think, I, I think that the, the the current uh, latest version of the Korg PA arrangements, uh, the PA three hundred. I was talking to the chap at Korg, and he was saying, you know, looking at the specs and the stuff that we found out about, you know, the like for instance, the uh, amount of uh, piano sample ROM in there is really high. So you're getting really high quality piano stuff in there. You're getting synthesis engines in there. There's uh, a lot of this stuff tends to mask what's going on underneath. So I, I suppose the overriding message is don't let this niche product perhaps. Uh, uh, colour your entire thought of what a, a Ranger keyboard can do these days because it really is quite an astonishing array of features in a lot of them I suppose is the positive I would say out of it yeah no that's that, that's, that's fair yeah um, I think we're going to leave it there because I think we've lost Mark's bandwidth um, but I do thank you all for joining us uh, and while we'll quit while while we're ahead so I want to say thank you every uh, to everybody for joining us thank you so much for our uh, chat room members I don't think we broke our record this week but we got plenty of people in there I also want to say thank you to our show sponsors remember if you're interested in Break Tweaker go to isotope.com forward slash Break Tweaker to download a demo and if you want to enter the competition don't forget you tweet out Creative Drums as a hashtag and Break Tweaker as a hashtag both uh, one word hashtags to at Sonic State and at Isotope Inc and we'll announce a winner next week I want to say thank you very much to Isotope for sponsoring the show as ever thank you very much so I'll, I'll go around and say goodbye to everybody uh, before the uh, bandwidth completely deserts us uh, it's generally speaking we get a good bandwidth and this is just one of those days I, I suspect maybe um, you've got someone downloading Mark somewhere but in the meantime what I'll do is I'll, I'll go to Gaz first say thank you Gaz for joining us being a pleasure to have you aboard as ever thanks for your opinions uh, we hope to see you very soon <laughs> cool. and thank you for the if you haven't checked out yeah. Gaz's uh, wonderful Launchpad Pro review do check it out went down very well that oh, thank you. a lovely piece I must say so thank you uh, yeah really pleased it's a really it is a really good product I think so yeah it was a pleasure doing that I enjoyed that review very much excellent and also say thank you to Ty and Wynn uh, for sharing his thoughts on room correction and uh, the Korg Liverpool and many other factors as well <laughs> but thank you Ty it's always a pleasure to have you aboard and I know uh, you're very busy so we do thank appreciate you. you giving us your time no it's lovely thank you for having me excellent and um, Mark <laughs> Tinley who's uh, reduced to a small icon who, we, we can hear him thank you i've shrunk you've shrunk yes but thank you again mark for joining us as well and uh, i was going to say one last thing about the Korg, oh, yeah. and that is if ten thousand people have listened to that demo then it must have they must have done their market research there must be people interested in buying it it's just going to be interesting to see if that 
converts into 10,000 sales or more, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, well, I suspect the conversion rate is a lot lower than that, as with most digital kind of offerings. But uh, yes, I appreciate that. Anyway, uh, that's it for this week. I want to say thank you very much to all our guests. Thank you for all in the chat room. Don't forget, you can join us every week when we stream live and you have access to the chat room and we can register nicknames and all that sort of stuff. And don't forget, subscribe to us on YouTube. We've got lots more content coming up that will be available via our usual outlets. That's it for this week. Thank you very much for watching. See you next time.